You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Here today, it is Friday, January 8th. 2021. On the show today, Ryan Finkelstein of the Locked On Mets podcast and Metsmerize joins me to discuss the Mets blockbuster deal acquiring uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians. We break it down from all angles and also take the Nats angle on it too. Is it is this kind of the wake-up call the Nats need to uh, start going a little bit in free agency? We hit on all that stuff and more. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me, one of our good friends in this show, Ryan Finkelstein. Ryan, how are you? Uh, how are you, number one, because you're the host of Locked On Mets, or just in general? How are you? I'm great. I mean, the Mets just signed Brand Drury to a minor league deal. I'm feeling good. Uh, yeah, there you go. That is the, the, the news of the day. Yeah, I mean, I had to have you on here uh, for a couple reasons, right? The Mets, Mets trade for not only Francisco Lindor, but they also traded for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, the real price for them in terms of media guys was Andres Jimenez and also uh, Ahmed Rosario. So, you know, they're giving away two middle infielders or getting one back. And uh, a couple of prospects, prospects as well, who I'm not really too familiar with. You probably know better than me, but I think the package would have been okay for just Francisco Lindor was my first reaction. What yeah. about you? What about you? Yeah, I do think this is an incredible package. It really does show the difference of having a competent GM in there. And yeah, for Lindor alone, that's a great trade because they didn't give up Matthew Allen, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, or uh, forgetting one, but Francisco Alvarez, which are their top prospects. So they don't give up any of those blue chip guys. They give up two guys that they just drafted. So nowhere near the big leagues. And then they give up two guys that, became obsolete as soon as they got Lindor. So to pull off this trade and then get Carrasco on top of it, which kind of addressed their biggest need in free agency anyway, it's a huge trade for the Mets. Yeah, I think Lindor is awesome, right? An exceptional piece. I almost, there's a part of me that believes that Carrasco might be the more important part of the trade. And here is why, because you watch the Mets and that stability with the pitching rotation you know, it's so funny to look back on these things, right? The Cubs are a great example of, oh, we think they're going to be a team that wins a bunch, right? The Mets yeah. rotation 2015. Good God, they have a lot of young, talented arms. And then Wheeler, you know, obviously no longer with the team and didn't wasn't always the best. Mats has struggled. Thor has been injured. And you're at a point now where you're like, wow, those things besides Jacob deGrom really didn't uh, – they didn't manifest themselves fully. And for the Mets, especially last year, you know, having to throw out Porcello and then Waka – uh, David Peterson, obviously, Th- that's huge. Like if they can get all those guys healthy, that to me is the more important part of this because they can finally bring some stability to that rotation. Yeah, I think that Carrasco definitely filled a bigger need. You know, Lindor, obviously, when you look back next year, I'm sure Lindor is going to have a bigger impact than Carrasco. But right, you know, they they needed to address that rotation, and I think it, it really is going a little bit under it's kind of fallen under the radar as it should when Lindor is the big name. But if you look on the market right now, if Carrasco was a free agent, I'm not sure he wouldn't be the second guy behind Trevor Bauer. And for that price tag, it's two years, $24 million essentially with a third year option, which I think it has a $3 million buyout. So 
essentially two years, $27 million guaranteed for a pitcher like Carrasco. I think that's about as good of a deal as you would have gotten on the market anyway. So they yeah. do that now and they have Stroman and DeGrom. It's a good rotation. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Marcus Stroman. Yeah. I, I just totally forgot about it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have DeGrom, you're going to have Syndergaard, you're going to have Marcus Stroman, you're going to have Carrasco. And then, uh, I mean, I guess who are you thinking for that fifth spot? Well, so David Peterson had a good rookie year. Uh, I don't know if you can completely trust him. I, I mean, some people just say, okay, he was awesome this one year. I think he had a 3 4 4 ERA. To me, it's like sophomore slump could happen. But now they're protected for that. So they have Peterson. Steven Matt's coming off a terrible year, but he's going to factor into the conversation. And then, like you said, Syndergaard will return in probably like June coming off the Tommy John. So they have some a lot of options. I think they might still add somebody. I don't know if it's going to be – I don't think it's a big free agent, but it could right. be like Corey Kluber coming off the injury or – maybe even like a minor league signing, something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, for me, it feels like that lineup, like there's a way that without Lindor, it still could have been a really good lineup, right? And if they did make the playoffs, my question would have been, okay, what does the starting pitching look like? And, you know, I think the Nationals were a good example of this. Like Anibal Sanchez, having him be that solid number four guy – you know, it, it showed in, in the in the National League Championship Series where the guy was lights out. And, a, and Carrasco is a guy that's got an opportunity to do that. So they now are well positioned with – and that's why, you know, I, I think a lot of people would disagree with me on the Lindor front. But when I watch playoff games, man, like just the – my attention always goes to the pitching. That is where I it – just, it just goes there. And so when I think it's over and it's all said and done, like Carrasco not only allows you to add depth in the sense of you got four guys – but the Mets are used to a team used to have, having injuries, right? Having in, guys injured. And so now if one of those guys goes down, you still have three really awesome options. And once again, like the Nationals showed, that can get it done. Um, you know, that, that you can get things done in the World Series with three awesome options. So I, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm coming from on that part of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think with hitters, I mean, you could see, you know, Francisco Lindor might be awesome all season. He could go through a two-week slump during the playoffs and basically not help you at all. I think pitchers are a little bit you know, less slump-proof, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Coming into October, I mean, if you have a good pitcher and they're on, they're going to help you a lot. And I think Carrasco really does kind of raise the floor of this team during the regular season. And then in the postseason, it does really help you to have a fourth guy because, like you mentioned, I mean, they would have had Syndergaard, hopefully, and Stroman and DeGrom. Having Carrasco as that fourth guy maybe in that same Anibal Sanchez role, it's going to be huge for them if they make it to the playoffs. And, and there were a lot of questions, you know, for the Mets when it came to middle infield, right? Uh, how would Jimenez factor in? Rosario was kind of losing some PT to him. Obviously now no Robinson Cano. So the idea here is Francisco Lindor is your everyday shortstop. What does that mean, though, for the rest of the infield? What is that going to look like besides, obviously, I think Pete Alonso at first is the shoe in there. Yeah, I think Mets fans believe it'll be J.D. Davis starting at third and Jeff McNeil at second. Mm -hmm. But yesterday during the press conference where Alderson was talking about everything, he did mention Luis Guillorme's name when someone brought up J.D. Davis. And personally, I've been a huge fan of what Guillorme brings because he's such an incredible defensive player. And he also is a pretty good bat, at least for the past year or so, at least with getting on base and kind of being one of those guys. So I think you could see right now a platoon of Guillaume and Davis the third with Davis playing against left-handed pitching 
And then I think Jeff McNeil is really likely to slide back into second base. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ironic because before the Cano trade, if you're a Mets fan, you're like, why are we trading for a 36-year-old you know, second baseman when Jeff McNeil has had this awesome rookie year? Mm-hmm. Now he kind of gets to slide back in to his natural position. And also, so you're hearing the Mets are in rumors for maybe Chris Bryant or Kyle Seeger. So it appears like they're shopping for third baseman right now. Yeah, it's it's funny to think, you know, that that they have the means to to address all of these needs. And I mean, in a lineup from a lineup perspective, where do you think Lindor is going to fit in? Where do you think he like what what is the what's the lineup to you going to look like, especially that front part? It's interesting because I was trying to think about this yesterday and I was like, all right, well, Brandon Nimmo can still be your leadoff guy. So Lindor's probably two. And then I'm thinking, well, where does Jeff McNeil? Have? Right. So it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they're going to be really deep. The fact that he's a switch hitter really helps them where they can plug him in whenever, but I would imagine he's hitting somewhere one through three. It's a good problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's good a good, I mean, you think about the, you know, the Nats last year, like you go back to it. I mean, couldn't find a leadoff hitter. Uh, they, they wanted to basically, you know, Trey Turner, obviously, but they wanted to find a way to, to, you know, protect the bat later on in the lineup. And they moved Trey back to do that. They couldn't get a leadoff hitter. And so now the Mets seem to be, I mean, if one guy sucks, like they've got somebody else to, yeah. it's going to be, I mean, but you know, between Lindor, between Nemo and between McNeil, one of those guys is going to be an effective leadoff hitter. Like it would be a miracle yeah. if one of them wasn't. So that's a great, that's a, an excellent problem to have, right? And, and I mean, that outfield too, you think about Conforto and you think about, you know, JD when he, wherever he you know, end up putting him. I mean, these guys, it's just, it's, and Pete, like it's just, it's just loaded. And they bring in James McCann too, who had a really nice offensive season. I mean, where's the weak part of this lineup, right? I mean, Luis Guillermo hit well last year, but he would be the, 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 the in theory, the weak link, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's also why you can play Guillermo because you're so deep that you mm-hmm. can, you know, kind of lean into your defense a bit and having Guillaume and Lindor on the same side of the infield, or even if they wanted to put Guillaume at second and McNeil at third, that'd be an unbelievable double play combination too. So yeah, I think they are really deep and I think there's a very realistic possibility that they're going to have both JD Davis and Dominic Smith coming off the bench. I, I forgot about Dom too. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. Um, and you know, there, there's the, I mean, look, I, I think it's it's crazy when we talk about it, but still, you know, I think you'd favor the Dodgers over the Mets just because of that. That's been a championship team for a while, and they finally got over the hump. But uh, something else I want to touch on here, kind of a, a, another ten thousand foot perspective thing. This trade made the made the Mets a lot better. It also, to me, revealed one of the big issues we have with baseball is that the desperation for the Indians to, sh- to shred uh, – well, what, what will not be the Indians anymore, but Cleveland to shred salary was so great that, you know, you and I are in consensus. Look, the, the Mets could have gotten that deal just for Lindor, right? But, but the Indians are so fixated on dumping salary that they made this deal and they're getting Lindor off the books not to extend him. And they're getting that contract, which I guess for the Mets is we view as a good deal. For them, they view that as not – you know, it's – a lot of money for them right especially if they're not contending and that's an issue that i have uh with just the game in general we've seen trades like this before right but i it i think the pandemic kind of amplifies those issues Uh, finances are an issue as it is in general in baseball it's like the premier league it's the only other sport where it feels like that money gap between the top teams that top six they talk about in the epl and everybody else is gigantic that's what it's starting to feel like in baseball and 
that's a big issue. Like that middle class seems to be deteriorating very quickly. Um, and that's concerning to me. And I feel like this trade highlights it. I'm not sure if you feel the same. No, I do. And I think, and I've heard from, from people throughout all this, that, you know, the pandemic isn't, isn't changing any industry, but it's fast forwarding a lot of the things that were going to happen over the next 10 years. And now we're seeing it in a shortened span. So I look at what's going on in baseball and that's definitely a problem right now with some of these teams. And I think, you know, you hear what Sandy Alderson was talking about. He said, They've been on Lindor the whole offseason, but they always said they wanted Carrasco with him. So the Indians had that knowledge, and they were probably shopping Carrasco separately and came to the conclusion that he was a negative asset somehow at $12 million, which Mm -hmm. is kind of crazy to me because you look at what he's done for his career, and, I mean, is he that much worse than you, Darvish? I mean, really? I mean, Darvish had a great year, but he's been up and down. And so you see the package that some of these guys got. And it's one of those things now where, yeah, it's it, the money. It's all, it feels kind of like the NBA sometimes where people are try, just trying to get off bad contracts and they'll attach a draft pick to do it. It's now, you know, skill and door was the conduit to get rid of Carrasco. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. But if you're the Mets or you're the Dodgers or you're the Yankees, some of these big market teams can really take advantage of that right now. All right, more coming from my conversation with Ryan Finkelstein of the Locked On Mets podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Are you guys ready for the NFL playoffs? What about the college football championship game? And oh, right, there is NCAA basketball and the NBA going on right now. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. They've got, obviously, the NFL playoffs, like I said, the college football playoff. They've got uh, baseball props as well for the future. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been a longtime sponsor of this show. And rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for nearly 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and everything that you will need, including new carpet if you need that. Uh, They have the best prices available. You guys will not find better prices anywhere else besides rockauto.com. If you go there right now, you can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's show also will let you guys know that uh, go check out Locked on Bets. They had a big winner last night. Cincinnati over SMU is a good one in college hoops. Check them out. They've got daily games, wrong team favored, fun segments. I, I do enjoy listening to that show. It's part of my day every, my day, every day. And if you're into uh, sports action, sports gambling, it is a must listen. So go check that out. All right, here comes the rest of my conversation with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets and Metsmerized. Yeah, I mean, you think about the pieces that the Indians have gotten rid of, right? Mike Clevenger, and then you think about, uh, you know, the, the two they're getting rid of here. I mean, the team's got no designs of winning. They've got zero designs to win any games. And, I mean, credit to them, pretty good last year, right? I mean, it was, uh, they, were, they were an exciting team, and they competed in a really tough division. 
but that's just not healthy, right? I mean, I like the Josh Bell trade. I like the value for the Nats. If I'm a Pirates fan, I don't think it's necessarily healthy, right? To always just be in the same mode where you're getting prospects. Because the thing is, like, not everybody's going to be the Rays, right? That is, they are a unique, unique situation where they are, there's a reason why that front office gets pilfered every single offseason. Uh, because, and, and, you know, their scouting department, I mean, it's the player de- development's off the charts, but not, there's only one of the, or two of those teams, right? I mean, I think we think about the Royals. They came along a little while ago and, and were able to do it on the cheap. Uh, the Rays were able to. Baseball is a sport where you can do it, but it's not good when a lot of these teams are structured that way. Like the Marlins, another great example. I mean, you think about all the great players that have been Miami Marlins and where they are now, not in Miami. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's upsetting because you want, I mean, we have no problems in our division. It's a pretty, it's a very competitive division, yeah. but across baseball, you see that like the Tigers just wanted to suck for, <laughs> for a long time. Right. They want to get off those contracts. The, the uh, Cleveland same way. Now it's, it makes it, it just, it's kind of, it, it doesn't, I don't like it. Right. It, salary caps kind of help the stuff out, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but it doesn't sit well with me that the trades like this can get made. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned a lot of good examples there. And if you really think about it, there's only a few organizations that can pull it off. I mean, the Rays obviously come to mind. Oakland's another one that's Mm -hmm. been able to do Mm -hmm. it. But Kansas City, it all came together. They won in 2015. They were competitive in 16. And then it basically all fell apart. I'm interested with Cleveland because they've been a pretty good organization. They still have, you know, Shane Bieber who's coming off of Cy Young. And they still have a couple guys. And they're playing in a terrible division. So who knows? Maybe Cleveland will surprise us. And maybe Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario will be a really good double play combination for them. I don't know. But it's definitely, if you're in one of those small markets, you got to be feeling like you're always on the other side of it, where it's like, if we don't win right now with our guys, and that that six-year window starts ticking as soon as they hit the big league level, I mean, we're going to lose them. And who knows? when we're going to be competitive again. I mean, I can't imagine a little kid right now who is a Francisco Lindor fan and has to see this trade and is like, what are we getting back? You know? Right. I mean, at least for those, at least for those fans, they get to see the players are getting back. Right. A lot of times yeah. we don't get to see them for, for a long time. And um, you know, that's, it's tough. I, look, I, I actually like, I, I'm, I'm a lot higher in a Rosario than I think most people are. I just think his career body of work is very solid um i i think like he's consistently a decent player and i think there is something to be said for getting somebody back like that uh i am very high on Andres menace i think what he showed last year is in a very good indicator of who he can be and um but i mean for the mets parting ways with them for what they got in return is it's pretty easy it would in terms of the rest of the league though i mean the national league is just it's this is getting ridiculous right you've got the two teams in the west coast which seem to be poised, right? To they want to duke it out out there clearly, and it's my view that the Padres are building to beat the Dodgers. I think if you're an, if you're an East Coast team, especially the the Mets and the Nats, you should build to beat the Braves, right? Yeah. Because the Braves are a team that can beat the Dodgers. So if you're building to beat a team like that, you should put yourself in a pretty good position. The issue is the Braves got better too, didn't they? Yeah. No, it's it's funny because you know a lot of people are already saying like. And the Mets are winning the offseason, so they're the team to beat. But the team that's won the division the last couple of years is always the team to beat. Yeah. And I don't care what you do in the offseason. It always looks great on paper. We got to see it play out on the field. So, yeah, the, the Braves, in my opinion, are still the favorites to win the NL East until someone 
knocks them off. And I think what you're seeing in the division right now is the Nationals are still just, you know, a year away from being a World Series team. And a lot of those guys are still there. That pitching staff is still there. Juan Soto, in my opinion, might be the best player in the division. I mean, or at least the best hitter. Mm-hmm. So I think the Mets, the Nationals are going to compete with them. And I think all eyes are on the Phillies right now because you got to wonder if they're going to really just fall off. It doesn't seem like they're going to do anything. A dumpster fire. I mean, they yeah. they paid Bryce Harper at a time where it appeared like they didn't – and right when they started the not wanting to pay players. I mean, it, it seemed like it was just for marketing. Like it was just yeah. to make the Bryce Harper money, and then now they're not really interested in winning baseball games. Um, two more things before we get you out of here. Would you put – I mean, where would you put them in the National League petting order, pecking order, the Mets? Are they third? Are they fourth? Because they're not one or two. I'm with you. They're not one or two, in my opinion. Even though we just gushed over how good the roster is, they're not one or two. Uh, I, I think the Braves are still up there and obviously the Dodgers. Would you put them ahead of the Padres? I know it's all speculation. It's all on paper. But just what's your feeling right now on that one? It's close. I mean, I, I think that San, it, it's, it's, you're, kind of, you're, you're battling the paperwork because, I mean, yeah. on the surface, look at the Padres and their rotation looks awesome right now, right? And they still have two guys that could easily win the MVP next year in Machado and Tatis. So I might lean towards San Diego, but then again, we'll see what the Mets roster looks like. If they add a legitimate center fielder, I don't know if it's going to be Springer, but even if it's Jackie Bradley Jr. And you're looking at them as a competent defensive team with superstars and Lindor and, you know, guys like Conforto and Alonzo and just up and down the list as we've talked about, I might think the Mets have the edge. So I would, I would wait till I saw the finished product, but right now I think that is maybe the hierarchy. It's it's Dodgers, Braves, and then the Mets and the Padres are the two teams that have won the offseason that can really challenge those teams. I like the fact the Mets have a lot of experience. They got a, like yeah. playoff experience. I mean, think about Lindor, think about uh, Conforto, you know, think about the pitching rotation, right? Full of guys who have been in big spots and World Series. Um, you know, deep in the playoffs. And I think that's going to count for something. Uh, my last question for you is, and I know you're, you know, obviously covered from the Mets, but if you're the Nationals, right, you trade for Josh Bell, you still have the three, the three aces, you know, or hopefully aces uh, in the rotation. You still have Soto. You still have Trey Turner. What do you think, like, is this kind of a kick in the ass to go say, all right, I mean, if you want to compete, you know, you're making all these coaching changes and, and you went out and traded for Josh Bell you got to, you know, you got to push chips in. Like it's time to put down some cash for Real Muto or trying to put down some cash. Maybe you make a run at Springer or make a run at LeMayhew because their lineup is decent right now. But the biggest piece they brought in is a guy who had a really awful 2020. And if you want to compete, you're going to need to get some horses in that lineup. I think they should definitely be a little bit more aggressive. But I also think, you know, they can really, if they wanted to, they can maybe hone in on the bullpen as a market where, you can probably get a couple of those top guys. And first of all, make sure a team like the Mets or the Braves doesn't, you know, sweep them up and, and improve your bullpen and get your pitching staff to a point where you can compete. Cause honestly, if the, as long as the nationals make the playoffs, I think they feel pretty confident with the pitching that they have, that they're going to be able to compete. And you know what, if you're in a seven game series with the Braves, if your pitching's good enough, it doesn't really matter that you don't have maybe as many horses in the lineup. So I think they got to, you know, it's obviously great to say, you know what, sign Springer, sign Real Muto and go after him. I just don't know if they have that financial flexibility. Yeah. I but think there's, all, yeah. I think we're all wondering yeah. if they do. I think, I think, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we know, we know if they do. Uh, 
It's interesting, right? I mean, I think if the Nats make the playoffs, that's a team that nobody actually wants to play because they yeah. they went from that wild card spot and they won in the last two years and they still have a lot of guys who have done that. And you know, I just talked about experience. I mean, what what's better experience than actually having to make that run and having done it before? So, I mean, but the problem is you got to play the Braves and I mean, and the Marlins too. God bless them. There's, I mean, they could be a competitive team next year because they have guys you know play pretty well. It's just it's gonna be hard playing this many games. Like I think this division could probably eat itself alive there's a good chance it could eat itself alive i think a lot of times when you have a division that's competitive you just want to kind of keep your head over water if you play 500 in your division and you're still going to get to play the central you would think this year right um that they would still get to play the central and beat up on some of those bad teams so i, I think you mean all you mean all of them <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you mean every team in the yeah 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 the cubs might be halfway decent because they have enough left but i don't even know if they keep selling off pieces so yeah it's going to be a really competitive division again, but then you know what? Who knows? I think we were having these exact same conversations last year and the NL East didn't look as formidable as we thought it would. So who knows? Still pretty good though. Still, yeah. still, I, still I thought it's still pretty, pretty decent division. All right. Uh, Ryan Finkelstein of the locked on Mets podcast. Where can people find you on uh, social media and also find your, your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein, Ryan. Uh, you can see some of my writing at Mets Marais online. All right, awesome. We appreciate your time. Yep, no problem. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you guys check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next week, stay safe.